Well, I've called this message Joy to the World. And as we've looked at 1 John, we've also been looking at the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, in the 15th chapter, Jesus is speaking and he says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And we've uh, used that scripture to show that, that John was actually quoting Jesus when he said, I'm writing this letter of 1 John so that your joy may be complete. He was thinking about what Jesus had said. And, and the themes in there are, are abiding and, and fellowshipping and, and remaining in the love of God and, and in Christ's love. And so as we look at the joy in the, the story of Christmas, we want to see that, that our joy can be complete. We can have the joy of Jesus. But what is joy exactly? We've talked about this a little bit, but we haven't really gone into that much depth because as we've kind of opened this series, we just kind of mentioned it and, and we move on. So today I wanted to take a little bit of time to say, well, what is joy? What's the difference between joy and happiness? Um, because there, there is a bit of a difference, especially in, in our culture, happiness is oftentimes used as an emotion, the emotion we feel um, when things are going well or when uh, we experience joy, we'll say, oh, man, I'm so happy. But then a lot of times in our culture, we can, in the next breath, say, I'm so sad. I'm happy, I'm sad. I'm happy, I'm sad. And we get on this roller coaster of like, I'm happy because things are good. I'm sad because things are bad. That's not joy at all. That's not what we see in this uh, Christmas story of, of what joy truly is. So, so joy is, is broader than just happiness. And, and we can see that, uh, that joy is actually something, it's part of God. And it's something that the Spirit of God in us is, is developing. And, and it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. You know, um, love, joy, and peace are, are three things that are mentioned as fruits of the Spirit, as we spend more time with God, we will spend more effort and more understanding uh, getting to know joy. That, that we're actually, when, we're, when we open God's Word, we're, we're actually entering a, a joyful place. But, but how many of us think like, oh man, I can't wait to open God's Word uh, because when God in me speaks to me, he's going to speak joy. I, I think a lot of us sort of know that in a, in a peripheral sense, but a lot of us don't really un understand or think about it that way. We think, oh man, I'll understand his love. I might have more peace. Uh, uh, you know. But to think about it as, as God, as a joyful God, uh, it, it really, to me, uh, as I was studying this, I was like, wow, God really is joyful, and he wants us to be joyful. He wants us to rejoice and to celebrate. And we'll see that as, as he shows up 
in flesh in this world and the story of Christmas. But as we look at what joy is, we can see uh, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's part of who God has made us to be. And so it's not, joy isn't less than an emotion, but it's more than an emotion. Because happiness, we oftentimes, we say, we understand that emotion. We say, oh, I'm happy. That's, that's awesome. And that is an expression of joy. We can have joy in our heart, which, which we express happiness in that way. And in the, the gospel, oftentimes bless, the word bless, uh, can also be translated as happy, like happy is the one who, or blessed is the one who. Jesus uses that a lot. Uh, or uh, in the Christmas story, we see joy and rejoice. Where They're all a little bit different words, but happiness and joy can also be expressed in the same way. But joy is broader because as happiness seems to be, in our culture, dependent a little bit on circumstance... When God says joy, he means something that is, is broader and bigger than our circumstances. It's, it's from God who's above our circumstances and in control of our lives. And so just like peace is bigger than our circumstances and the love that God calls us into is bigger than uh, what's going on in our relationships uh, personally one-on-one because God says love your enemies. How do you do that? You can't do that in the, the world's understanding of love, we can only do that in God's understanding of love. When God says, um, be joyful, we can't do that in the world's understanding of happiness or joy. We have to do that in God's understanding of happiness and joy. Let's, as we unpack this a little bit, let's go back to uh, the very beginning. When God created the world, in, in Genesis 1, 26, he says, Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and the whole earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Verse 27, So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. We're created in God's image. So if, if happiness is part of who God is or joy is part of who God is, then, then it's part of the likeness that he created in us. And he knows that it can only be fulfilled, our true joy can only be fulfilled in Christ, but it's part of, of who we were meant to be, who we were designed to be. We were designed as children of God to be joyful people. But how do, how do we do that? Let's, let's look into this a little deeper. Psalm 100 says, Shout for the Lord. And these verses will be on the screen. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So 
God calls us to be joyful, to, to shout for joy, to sing joyful songs. I can tell you that my life doesn't always represent that. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I get weighed down with the, the world, and, and I can say, oh, yes, uh, sometimes when I'm weighed down, I have peace that is without explain. It can't be explained. It's, it's um, peace that's insurmountable, and, and love. Sometimes I'll have love for people who, who is, I wouldn't be able to have that love on my own accord. It's all from God. Right? But if you were to say, walk around and be like, I'm just so joyful. And, and people were to say, well, look at your life. What do you have to be joyful for? A lot of times we go, oh, yeah, man, maybe I shouldn't be as joyful. But we see that God calls us to shout for joy, to, to express our joy in these, uh, in these ways as, as worship to him. And, and as uh, we, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, we give thanks to his name. So joy is part of our life. And, and as we look at this Christmas story, I was blown away with how many times God calls us to be joyful. God with us. That is something to be joyful for. Let's look at uh, the joyfulness in John's story. John being the, the forerunner to Jesus. We know that John and Jesus' stories are intertwined, especially in Luke. He keeps going back and forth between John the Baptist and Jesus. And John the Baptist and Jesus. And, and we know that their stories are intertwined. Luke 1, 39 through 45. These will also be on the, the screen says, in those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, or happy are you among women. For your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. John, even as an infant in the womb, when Jesus entered his presence, even though he was also in the womb, John jumped for joy. That, that is the first mention of joy that we have, um, or the first mention of John that we have here is, is him jumping for joy over Jesus. How cool is that? How crazy is that? That just being in the presence of, of Jesus would make you jump for joy. And then Elizabeth says, Oh, Mary, you're so blessed. Happy are you. Blessed are you that, that you would be carrying the Son of God. And then she says, And me, I can't believe that you would come to my house with, with the Messiah that God has, has prophesied. 
And so this was a joyous occasion. But if we remember the circumstances, the circumstances weren't epic, right? Because Joseph and, and Mary had a lot to work out in their marriage with, with uh, Mary uh, giving birth to the Son of God. And, and Mary actually went away and spent time with Elizabeth just to kind of get get settled when, and come to grips with this idea that she would be raising the Son of God. And so let's look at Mary's joy for a second. Also in Luke, Luke 28 and 29. These will not be on the screen if you want to turn with me in your Bibles. Uh, we'll be in Luke for a little bit. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked with favor. Now, the, this angel is approaching Mary and, and telling her that she's going to give birth to the Son of God. And, and she's shocked. And she goes, what, what kind of greeting is this that you would come and, and tell me, rejoice. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. And then he says to her once again, you have found favor with the Lord. Mary, in this moment, has to decide and has to understand that God is calling her to something that's going to be a blessing. She has, has to see it as a blessing. Because she could see it as a burden. Very much so. But instead, she writes later, Luke 1.46 has this, this song that she writes. And, and the song says, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked on me with favor. So Mary chooses joy in this instance. And in our lives, we have been given blessings from the Lord. And we have been called to, to partner with him, serve him in ministry. And, and be a part of his plan to bring the gospel to the world. But as we do that, sometimes things get hard, right? And, and as God calls us uh, to, to love sacrificially and to give sacrificially and to lay our lives down for other people and to take time in his word and take time to, to fellowship with him when that takes us away from other things we could be doing in the Sometimes it can seem like, like God's calling us to, to a burden. But as we look at it, we can choose to look at it and see the joy in it. We can choose to look at it and see, man, God, you have called me to spend time in your word and spend time with you, and, and you want me to be joyful. You want to impart the joy of the Holy Spirit into my life, that I would walk away and be a more joyful person. 
that I would walk away and be able to share that joy with the world. And so Mary chose joy and, and said, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. How, how many times have you just sat down in the morning to read the word and just gone, Lord, my, my spirit just rejoices, just is so joyful that, that God is my Savior, that you sent Jesus. A, a lot of times we think more solemnly, I think, or we think we spend time in God's word in more of a, a, a reverent, solemn way. And that's awesome. That is, that is really important as well. But I think sometimes we should make an effort to choose joy and, and to sit down and spend time in God's word in, in a joyful way. Just like Psalm 100 said, that, that we would, and maybe this is out of our comfort zone, but shout for joy, sing for joy, sing joyful songs to the Lord, that it wouldn't be just always this solemn, reverent occasion, but that we would experience that joy and say, Lord, fill me with joy. It's, it's one of your, your, your fruits of the Spirit. I pray that you would fill me with this joy. Let's look at the people's joy in this story. Luke 2 8 through 12. We read this earlier. But this is the shepherds uh, that the angel comes to. And what does the angel say? He says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Because that's what happens when people are visited by angels. They're, they're not like uh, little... Uh, winged creatures on clouds just kind of floating around. Angels are terrifying because they bring the glory of the Lord with them. Right? And so, um, total side story. But you know how on the top of Christmas trees sometimes where people put like a little a little fuzzy angel sometimes made out of like cotton with a little halo? I never really liked that. So, um, I, when I was in high school, I decided to go to the store and I got... Uh, a little figurine of uh, of one of the characters from Lord of the Rings with a sword, with a sword, um, and I put like crazy wings on it. I like built this little angel, and I was like, that is probably more accurate. And I my parents let me actually put it on top of the tree, um, but um, but that was I was like, man, that those the the picture we have of angels just being like. These fluffy beings that, that can't do anything is so inaccurate. So, anyway, side story. So, that's what happened. They were terrified. This angel showed up. The glory of the Lord shone, and they were terrified. But what does the angel say? He says, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David... A Savior has been, was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. So the, the shepherds here represent the people, re- represent all people. And what, what does the angel say? He says, I proclaim to you good news. Or in the original text, it would have been more like glad tidings. It would have been, uh, they used a word here in the, in the Greek that would have been used for any good news of, of a, a, a battle. Someone would have come back from a battle to exclaim or proclaim that, that they had won. And they would use this word of good 
tidings, glad tidings, great joy. We translate it sometimes good news or gospel, but it was this idea of something that should be proclaimed with joy. And then he says that it would be for all people, good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now they didn't really even understand how prophetic that was. That because this was a group of Jews, this was a group of uh, people of the nation of Israel, and they would have thought the Messiah was coming to them. That the Messiah was only for them. And, and so in Israel, even through the time of Jesus, that this idea that, that the Messiah was to set the nation of Israel free was, was very, very common. And Jesus will drop little... Uh, knowledge bombs on people and say that no this is I'm here for the Gentiles this is for all people but they didn't really understand in, until until he after he he died and, and was ascended to heaven and, and and people started to think and understand wow this is for the whole world and, and right off the bat this angel says for all people it doesn't matter ethnicity, it doesn't matter socioeconomic standing, it doesn't matter any of that, none of it matters where you live, who you are what you've done for all people great joy now how do we apply that this to our lives, we've seen, uh, we've seen that God is, is given us this joy in, his, in the spirit that he calls us to rejoice that he calls us um, to, to choose joy in situations that look like maybe uh, they, there's no reason to be joyous. And he's called all people to this good news of great joy. I have a few things I wrote down, um, and we'll be looking at other scriptures outside of the Christmas story. But what I really wanted us to see is, is just in this story how many times that, that God uses joy to share the message of Jesus and how important this idea is to God and, and how, how important it is in the Christmas story. And for me, I don't know if you guys have uh, been the same, but for me, I tend to miss that. And so when I was reading, I was like, oh, there's the, joy, there's the word joy again. Wow, crazy. He called them to rejoice. He called Mary to rejoice. He called the shepherds to rejoice. So I really wanted us to see that. And, and then what do we do with it? How do we apply it? Our first application point this morning is fruit and joy go together. My mom used to, on Christmas Eve, uh, put fruit in our stockings. So we'd put our stockings out, and, uh, and we would be so excited to wake up in the morning and check our stockings. But... All, always in the top of the stocking would be like an orange and an apple and some dates. And, and it really, I mean, if you want to fill out a stocking, like fruit is a great way to fill space. But we'd always kind of, me and my sister would always kind of like take the fruit out, just pour the fruit out and get to the, the other stuff at the, at the bottom, the good stuff, right? But then come mid-morning when we'd eaten, bunch of chocolate and candy and hot chocolate and we were feeling kind of gross you look over at those oranges and just be so happy that they were there right because you peel an orange and you're just like ah oh, this, this this fruit is, is so good 
and it helps you feel better and go on into uh, breakfast or whatever it was. We, me and my sister would wake up at like, I don't even know, three in the morning sometimes. I couldn't sleep Christmas Eve, so uh, we'd wake up at three in the morning. My parents started saying, hey, you, you can get up at whatever time you want, but you can't bother us, so just come down, get your stocking, and go back to your room, and then, um, and so oftentimes it would be 3, 3.30 in the morning, I'd wake my sister up, we'd run downstairs, grab our stocking, and then we'd eat all the candy, and so by, you know, by 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, it was basically midday for us, we'd been up for, you know, 3 or 4 hours, and, uh, and those oranges were really, really good. I don't really know what the spiritual parallel is. I just wanted to tell you that to kind of get it off my chest. No, um, in John 15, verses 5 through 11, uh, this is right before the, the passage that we have taken as um, our kind of text for this series that, where Jesus says that our joy may be complete. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing or no thing. Sometimes I say to people, how many, how many things can you do apart from God? No things. Not, not a single thing. Right? So apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Some branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burn. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So God has called us to bear fruit. And then Jesus goes on to say, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept your Father's commands, and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that my joy may, that your joy may be complete. You see how fruit and joy go together. We're called to bear fruit, and then in the next breath, Jesus says, "You remain in my love, and I'll remain in you." And, and your joy will be complete. What, what does that mean for us? We know that love, joy, and peace are often found together in Scripture. Right? As in the, the fruits of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 13, where, where it says, it gives this list that says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. The first three, love, joy, and peace, they go, they go together hand in hand. And those are fruits of the Spirit. Those are, um, as, as we know, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? And then it plays itself out in joy, peace, patience, self-control, kindness, all of these things. So as we spend more time with God, as we spend more time with the Holy Spirit within us, we should be seeing more joy in our lives. Fruit and joy go together. When Jesus gives the greatest command to, to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, um, 
this love is the greatest thing we're supposed to be offering to the world. But as we spend time with God, that love will play itself out in joy and peace and patience. So if we're supposed to offer the world love, that love can look like joy. That love will look like peace. That love will look like patience. Right? And so it, it's not just that we love the world in sort of a, a static, sort of um, non-action sort of way and just say, oh, yes, I love everyone. But that we would be sharing joy with the world. We would be out there sharing the peace that God gives us with the world. And so that's how in these situations in, in the Christmas story... That, that people were sharing joy with each other, that Elizabeth would share joy with Mary, that Mary would, would share the, the message that God gave her with Joseph and say, this is supposed to be joyful. I'm writing this song. Hey, Joseph, check out this song. It says, my soul rejoices, my spirit rejoices because of this. Even though it looks hard, I'm, my, I'm going to choose joy. And at the shepherds would then be called to be uh, missionaries all of a sudden. These guys that were just tending their flocks and this angel shows up and says, hey, this is good news that, to declare of great joy to declare to all peoples. And the shepherds are like, yeah, but uh, we just tend sheep. And they're like, no, no, go find this baby and then tell everyone about it. So joy and fruit go together. Our second point this morning is Joy starts with repentance. It's kind of an unlikely place to have joy start, you would think, right? Because you'd think joy would start with um, circumstance. You might think joy would start with you reaching your dreams and fulfilling all your potential and everything that, that you've ever wanted coming to pass. That's not really where joy starts. Sometimes we can gain some happiness during that, and it's, it's fleeting, and it'll go away, and then we're just back where we start. But where true joy starts is with repentance. And how can I say that? Well, in First John, we've been learning about how, how sin robs us of the fellowship we have with God. And if we have fellowship with God, then we have more of the fruit of God's Spirit. And if God's spirit is, is joy, love, and joy, and peace, then as we spend more time with him, and as we're, our fellowship is closer with him, we, we get more joy. That God wants us to have more joy, but sin robs us of that joy. It steals our joy from us, because it steals uh, our source of joy. It steals the, the fellowship and the tightness that we have with the source of joy who is God himself. And so as, as God brings joy into this world, there, there's no better example of that joy than Jesus as he comes becomes flesh and dwells among us. And, and as we spend that time getting to know Jesus, we, we gain the, the joy that he wants us to walk in. And so if there is unrepentant sin in our lives that's blocking that relationship and that fellowship and that closeness, we're talking about fellowship or koinia as we've talked about in, as we speak of First John, and it's this idea of community 
or tight relationship, having sharing one with the other. The, the other translations use this word abide, to live with, to fellowship with, to be with. Uh, some translations use the word remain, if you remain in me or abide in me. But it's all the same word in Greek. And, and that word is this close fellowship. And if we have something in the way of that fellowship, it, it robs that peace, it robs that love, it robs that joy that we should be experiencing. So, so joy, true joy, starts with repentance. And we see that when there's something in our life that's, that we're holding on to, unrepentant sin that we're holding on to and, and holding from, God, I know that you're pointing this, but I want to keep doing this and I don't want to tell anyone about it. I don't want anyone to know. Right? Do you have joy in that moment when you think of that? No, you're miserable. And, and the Spirit has designed it that way so that you'll return to repent. So that, so that the Spirit of the Lord will be working with, in conviction and saying, get that out of your life because God desires relationship, close relationship with you. And He wants to give you that joy. And then as soon as you get rid of that and repent of that, what do you experience? You experience joy. Jesus walked this earth and, and healed the sick and healed the blind and, and uh, cast out demons, people who were trapped and, and not able to get free of this, um, this oppression that they were under. Right? And did, when he did that, when he walked around doing that, what happened? People were like jumping and yelling and being like, yeah, this is awesome, praise the Lord. I couldn't walk and now I do walk. My daughter was dead, and now she's alive. There were parties being thrown all over the place as Jesus walked the earth because people were filled with great joy at the work he had come to do. Right? When, when someone is set free from sin or, or bondage, they, they are ecstatic. In our lives, we've been set free from sin and bondage and death and all of those things. And, and we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's too good to be true. We, we should walk around just super stoked and joyful all the time. But that sin and that, that the, the, the sin that then turns to guilt when the devil points at it and goes, How could you? How could you do that? God can't love you. That lie that he tells us, that steals the joy that we should be walking in. Our third point this morning is we should celebrate no matter the season. And this works well because we're talking about the Christmas season, but you can also talk about it as in seasons of life. No matter what season of life you're in, if this is a season of life where things are really, really great, then rejoice. Be joyful. If this is a season of life where things are really, really bad, we, we still have things to be joyful about. And, and how we grow that joy and experience that joy is to spend time with Jesus. So celebrate joy no matter the season. Philippians 4.4, 4, Paul writing, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in this sentence. And in most of the times where in the Greek it says, Joy, rejoice in the Bible is the word uh, karate. 
in Greek. It sounds like karate. It's not. It actually starts with a ch. But um, but what it literally means is it means to joy. It's the it's the verb to joy. So we think of rejoice sometimes as I don't really know what that means. Does it mean like yay or is it shout for joy or what does that what does that mean? It means literally to joy or to be joyful. So what he's saying is. Be joyful in the Lord always. Again, I say, be joyful. And then he goes on and he says, he says here that that we should celebrate and be joyful no matter what is going on in our lives. He says it again in 2 Corinthians 6.10 where Paul gives us some perspective on joy. He says, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. This is Paul describing his his state, describing who we should be in Christ. He uses that same word, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. How do we do that? How do we experience sorrow but also always rejoice. Philippians 4, 5 through 9, Paul continues to the Philippian church. He says, Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. God with us is what he's saying. The Lord is near. God is with us. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So no matter what we're going through, and Paul understands that we go through suffering, we go through times of, of not having anything, and, and, and go through times of, of extreme pain, but no matter what we're going through, we can let the joy of God reign in our lives as we look on His goodness and His grace in our life, and as we look on whatever is right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and wonderful in this world. So no matter what you're going through today, this Christmas season, we, we have to deal with the hard days, we have to deal with hard stuff. And for Christmas, sometimes is a really hard time for people. It's the time where you realize that loved ones that you had aren't with you. You realize um, that that your family maybe is, is broken and hurting. You, you realize that um, other people are broken and hurting in this world and you, you want to reach out to them. Or, or you just take a time of reflection. You take some time off and realize, wow, I'm not really living how God has called me to. These, these times that we, we take a break and focus on God are, are wonderful times of reflection. So this year, in the next couple of days, as we 
prepare with our families for Christmas, understand that, that fruit and joy go together. That, that the fruit of, of spending time with God, the fruit God has called us to, to bear is, is in part joy and in part peace and in part love. And that all comes from spending time with God. And that if there is anything in our lives that we look at and we're like, that's not how it should be. God has called me to be living this way, and I'm living this way. And I don't feel any joy in my life at all. Know that, that joy, true joy, always starts with repentance. It always starts mending the, the relationship between you and your heavenly Father. And then know that, that no matter what is going on, that we can celebrate joy no matter the season of our life by looking at what Paul says and, and focusing on what God has given us. Focusing on uh, in this time to celebrate the excellence and the wonderfulness of the, our Savior Jesus Christ. And to grow in that love and joy and peace with God in flesh, God with us, who is Jesus the King that our joy may be complete. Thanks for listening to the Verse Church Podcast. We're stoked that you joined us. We would like to invite you to join us live Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For more information or to give to this ministry, visit www.verse.church.